I'm Matt Downing, and welcome to Diving Deep EDU. Curious conversations with all types of peeps. Encouraging innovation, we are diving deep. Certainly education is what we like to speak. Fervent with dedication, now it is time to teach. Thanks for tuning in. We are doing a mini quick hitting series on hybrid learning. It's a hot topic these days and something many people are both reflecting upon and gearing up for in the next school year. Our guest today is William Minton. William is the founder of Canopy, a new blended learning platform. Prior to venturing in ed tech, he worked as a math and social studies teacher, instructional coach, nonprofit leader, and educational consultant. He spent the 2015-16 school year traveling and writing about top-ranked schools around the world. William, Thank you so much for joining me. Let's start off the conversation with talking about Canopy, the new blended learning platform that you founded. So tell us, tell me, tell our listeners, what is Canopy? Thanks for having me, Matthew. Um, Canopy is a blended learning platform, and it is designed to help students focus, save teachers time, and revolutionize the ways that teachers can share curriculum resources Mm. with each other. and we do each of those things in, in different ways. A lot of it just has to do with the, the organization of it. Yeah. Um, and so our organizational innovation is allowing teachers and students to organize all of the content for a lesson, a unit, or the entire year into a single tab. Um, so it's organized by lessons that you or units that you expand and then lessons that you expand. Mm. And so you can access any resource from the whole year um, with a maximum of two clicks. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that organizational innovation, we build out um, a lot of the features of various learning applications so that you have an all-in-one solution uh, where everything is organized very, very neatly. Yeah. Um, that, that came out a lot in our conversations with students and teachers um, at the beginning of all of this was this, the main pain point was people were just having trouble navigating all of the various platforms they were supposed to go into. And you know, you're burning all this mental energy on thinking about the technology itself, mm-hmm. and then you don't have that energy to think about the, the content and the questions you're supposed to be grappling with. Um, and so we built built Canopy so that you uh, you don't have to think about the tech. You can just mm-hmm. think about the content that you're trying to learn. Yeah, I love that. Now, you have mentioned some of these already, but help us, some of our listeners, this might be a new platform for them. So I'm not going to name other LMSs out there. But if we take Canopy, right, what makes it unique? Now, you might have to repeat some of the stuff you already said, but do that for us because, you know, sometimes it takes us a little while to process these things. What makes Canopy unique as an as an LMS? I'll put it this way. So the main way people are using Canopy right now is for professional development mm-hmm. because we launched towards the end of the school year. So it's more PD season right now. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the professional development courses that our various partners have teachers going through, we have this question of like, would you want to use this platform with your own students? Mm. And 95% of teachers who go through Canopy as learners say that they would want to use it with their own students. Um, And you just don't have that sort of, um, you know, net promoter score, as they say, Um, 
with the other platforms that are the that are out there. Um, and so just the the overall user experience, making it a calming, soothing you know, place to learn where everything is clearly organized. Um, and then also the combination of organization with learning applications, yeah. right? So you can put a you know, video and a question and next week we're rolling out our Canva integration so that you can you know, design and submit work um, through Canva or engage in discussion threads or have a built-in PDF editor or embed questions into YouTube videos. You shouldn't have to go to multiple apps for that, right? There should be an all-in-one solution. And so that's that's what makes Canopy unique. Um, it's a soothing place to learn. Everything is organized very clearly. The progress tracking is very clear. Mm-hmm. And we fold in the core functionalities of popular learning applications as well. Yeah, and I'll just give a little testimonial here on the podcast. Uh, you know, I've used Canopy. We've talked about it a bit. And I would agree, most LMSs, you don't think calming is a word that would describe your experience, but it is in Canopy. It's calming. It's clean. It's clutter-free. It sort of uh, takes away a bit of that frustration when you're dealing with overload. Um, and I really appreciate that, amongst other things, with Canopy. So, so thanks for highlighting that. So our listeners are interested to learn more. Where do they find Canopy? Well, they can learn more information about the platform at canopyeducation.com. Or they can just create a teacher account and start building courses at canopyed.com. Thanks. We'll uh, definitely check that out and we'll link that in the show notes. So Canopy is a blended learning platform. And we really want to get into that a little bit more in our conversation, blended learning in general, right? So as we reflect, um, as you reflect back in this la- these last 18 months, what are some of your big takeaways in respect to hybrid learning or blended learning? I think obviously this last year has really accelerated the learning curve and the and the adoption cycle for um, the use of technology tools for blended learning. Yeah, for sure. You know, you have, you've had people who like maybe kind of knew how to use Google Classroom that are now you know you know deeply in it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this has created a real opportunity to change the way that people are engaging with you know the intersection of technology and education. Yeah. Um, however continued progress is not, you know, written in stone yet. I think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done to make the overall experience of engaging with these tools to, in a blended learning environment um, in order for it to be sustainable moving forward. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. Technology is supposed to allow us to do more work with less effort, mm-hmm. right? That's when technology is at its best when we can do more with less. Yeah. The current ways that people are engaging with technology is not accomplishing that. They're getting, they're either like doing the same with more work, or maybe they're getting more with more, or maybe they still feel like they're putting in more work and getting less out of it. Mm -hmm. We have not gotten to the place yet where we're actually getting more impact with less effort. Um, And that's what we need to do. Yeah. Bring us into a situation where you have seen that happen, where you have seen more accomplished with less, where we've seen technology work in transformative ways. What's an example or two where you've seen that uh, take place in the learning environment? Early on in, in this effort building Canopy, I talked with a lot of instructional leaders and teachers around the country about what tech tools they're using, which ones they like and don't like. And it was really interesting to see the same tools come up over and over again um, as the ones they like. And those were Newzella or, or NewZLA. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Nearpod. And I think both of them do this job fairly effectively. And those are the footsteps we're trying to walk in with, with Canopy, which is just being very, you know, teacher centric in our development. Um, but I think Newzella, like the ability to provide differentiated reading materials on topical material, um, effortlessly, I think that's amazing. That's, that's doing more with less. Yeah. Um, and then the same thing with Nearpod, making presentations more dynamic, having formative assessments built into them, that's effectively doing more with less. But yeah, you're you're asking about like individual applications. I think what's important to realize is we need to step back from reviewing individual applications and look at educators' holistic experience with mm -hmm. technology. Because even folks who are using, you know, Newzella or Nearpod, they're also using seven or eight other things. And so while those applications allow them to do more with less in the narrow use case of the application, their overall you know, role of technology in their classroom is still not meeting that bar. Yeah, I mean, I'm most interested in that overall experience. So what helps, you know, sort of transform that overall experience where where the teacher can go beyond the individual tools like Nearpod or, or these other ones and have this overall experience where they're able to get more out of their classroom, not just in these individual silos that can sometimes create more frustration for themselves and or the students. Well, I mean, not to connect everything back to Canopy, but I mean, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that really is like what, you know, we notice these pain points. Yeah. We noted that, notice this as a trend and we're trying to address it by creating an all-in-one solution yeah. that allows you to organize your material and have the core functionalities of these apps. You know, mm -hmm. we don't need all the, all the bells and whistles of some of the other apps, but the core functionality, you know, the ability to record and embed a screencast, the ability to add questions, the ability to edit PDFs, like you should just have those built into a single place so that you don't need to juggle um, multiple tabs for each individual thing that that you want to do. Yeah, and as you've talked to a number of you know educators across the country, you know as you as you've talked to them about their experience over the past you know twelve months, eighteen months, or maybe even throughout their whole careers, what have been some of their biggest struggles in relationship to a hybrid you know blended learning environment? I think the double planning is a big one. Um, and then this, what people have started to call app smashing, yep. um, where, you know, you're pulling this app for this thing, yep. this app for this thing, and then also finding out how did students do? And then you have to dig into the data of all these different places. And then the student information system companies have not been really friendly with, um, allowing folks to do built-in integrations. And then, so then there's this double data entry situation mm. and it's just ended up being a lot more pile on, um, for educators that's resulting in this, you know, crisis of people leaving the profession over the last mm -hmm. few months, which is um, really, really dangerous. It, it was an issue going into the pandemic. Yeah. The pandemic has exacerbated it. The teacher shortage um, that's being caused by all of this is, I think, a, a national emergency. Um, and not only are people leaving the profession, but fewer people are going into teacher preparation programs. Yeah. And so there's just bad news on all sides um, for the sustainability of, the, of teaching as a profession, yeah. um, which is, again, why we need tools that allow people to do all of this stuff more simply with less yeah. mental stress. Bring me into what you're hearing about app smashing, because I, uh, you know, I see a lot of tutorials out there and people, some people seem to be obsessed with it, uh, you know, doing this app smashing. What are you hearing from the regular teacher, you know, on the ground, their experience with this app smashing? 
Right. So it's interesting because in my work, I engage both with the like superstar outgoing, I'm going to make this work, super creative teachers. We, we all know these people. They're, yeah. they're amazing. And they, you know, take a lot of pride in their ability to pull together, you know, six different tools for six different unique purposes for mm -hmm. a single lesson. And, 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 and they're incredible. Um, and, and that's great. And they, and they've like turned this into a little bit of an art and they're very proud of their ability to do this now, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. Um, they're the the most vocal teachers that, that you'll see like in the, in the larger sort of like teacher verse but they are not representative of a majority of teachers yeah. um and so in other work that that i do just talking with more more of a random sampling of teachers i find that folks have still are still sluggishly going up that that learning curve and um the result is that students are not really receiving very dynamic um learning experiences they're kind of getting the you know presentation minimum of it yeah. um and so i think there's there's a wide a wide variety yeah thanks for that thanks for reminding us that and and that's really helpful to realize that these tutorials that we see and these people demonstrating and it does seem exciting and it does seem to work for them but they're not the majority and although they might be the most vocal they might be the most present they might have you know thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers that's not the everyday teacher and i was just talking about this with someone else uh you know we'll go off on a little tangent here we'll see if it connects uh with finances so he's a financial planner and i was talking about someone on twitter you know they've invested a lot of stocks in and Tesla and blah, blah, blah. And they take screenshots to show their millions of dollars of wealth. And that these people are the most vocal, but they're not the majority. These are like 1% of people have succeeded by picking this stock, but they're the most vocal. And then the majority see these people and they think, oh, I could do that too. And then they try to do that. And then they squander their, their savings and go down um, to destruction. But, but with education, uh, you know, sometimes we can do that too. We can try to follow these leaders, uh, what, do exactly what they're doing. But if that's not who we are, it can lead uh, to a lot of frustration if we don't have the skills and the training and, and all of these things, this foundation, um, you know, it's not necessarily successful for every teacher just because it's the most vocal. So thank you uh, for pointing that out. Another point you made was, was the double planning. Let's talk about that because that's a big issue. What's helpful uh, for teachers in this blended learning environment as they try to plan for in-person and, you know, the at-home experience? A lot of the, the tech tools are just built for like only a virtual environment. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the in-person, and when you're teaching in-person, there's still a tendency to go to what you know. Yeah. And so when you have a situation where teachers are planning for both their in-person students and students who are doing virtual, um, that was just enormously stressful because they were essentially planning two different lessons yeah. um, covering the same content and then having to check in with students in, in two separate ways. And so that I think that that will largely um, disappear like that, okay. that type of model. I think you'll have kids who are all online and all all in person. I think you're having a lot of districts around the country opening up um, to straight virtual schools for their students who are interested in continuing virtually because it was a better fit for them for whatever reason. Um, people opt for that for a variety of reasons, you know, you know bullying included, um, mm -hmm. or just whatever family lifestyle they want to live. If they're right. a family that wants to move around a bit and virtual fits. So I think people are creating those options for students. Um, so students will have that in a way they didn't have before. And then most students will be returning in person. So I don't think that you're going to have as much straight hybrid, um, as we've been seeing, but I do think that blended this idea that you're, 
you have independent time that's using technology. And then that is being complemented with, you know, digging deeper in-person activities hmm. um, or similar to um, how people were talking about flipped classrooms in the past. I think that will continue to become more, more prevalent. That's great. Let's look forward. Let's look forward to this next school year, as you were sort of alluding to right there, that uh, things are going to look a little different um, in the next school year. What do you envision or hope for as we move forward in relationship to blended learning? I hope that we can can figure out a way to, to do it in a more sustainable way. Also, the, the research and data on blended learning is very strong as being more effective for learning retention and learning transfer than traditional instruction. And so I want to make sure that we can continue to explore this. Um, but I am worried that, that you know, the, the powers that be and sort of the you know, natural inertia of you know, these large um, public school system bureaucracies, they, they're not really designed to, to be innovative in that kind of a way. Mm. Um, and so that there's a lot of sort of natural pressures from how the systems are structured um, to revert back to quote unquote, the way things were before. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see where we have pockets of innovation and the extent to which the success of those pockets of innovation can, can spread. Um, and some, this is occurring to me as I'm speaking about this, but for example, um, several years ago, the state of Mississippi started doing science of reading professional development with their teachers statewide in a very deliberate way. And their data has been outstanding. Kids in Mississippi mm. read much better now than they did before. And people have noticed. And science of reading is now becoming popular around the country. Lots of states are trying to replicate um, those results at the state legislature level and state department of education and it trickling down to the districts. Now, this type of sort of um, on a growth and popularity of these types of strategies does take years. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what we need. We need to have those sort of like pockets of innovation that are successful. And then for the ripple effects of that to move outward. But this isn't like this coming school year is going to be completely different everywhere. No, this is this coming school year would be very different a few places. Yeah. And then it will take a few more years for those ripples to continue out through the rest of the country. Yeah, that's great insight there. You mentioned that uh, blended learning has been proven to show, uh, you know, increase in learning. A lot of students, you know, experience in blended learning, they would say, that's not true. My blended learning experience was very boring and so forth. What do you mean by that? Uh, before we start to close up this conversation, give us a picture of what that blended learning experience would be that's been proven uh, to increase the learning retention. Yeah, so I'm glad that you mentioned that. That's um, pre-pandemic research on all of this is working with, um, an opt-in environment, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are only folks who have teachers who have selected to do, do this students who have, you know, opted into the model. Um, and then whenever you force, when you, when you do something and you get good research with an opt-in all voluntary model, and then you'll be like, Oh, let's just take these processes. They work now and we'll just make everybody do them. Even if they're not opting in and, and then you expect the same data, like that just doesn't happen. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a larger issue with how research is used in, uh, in education policy, because that that happens a lot. <laughs> we get great data with your with your you know initial research, and then the it doesn't scale. Mm. Um, and so I think, yeah, again, and and this will naturally happen. Like I was just saying, like it'll become more contained, yeah. uh, 
and so instead of forcing everybody to go into this and them not really know what they're doing, we'll have a more gradual expansion of these effective strategies mm. um, growing out from the, that center of the people who can do it really well. But the good news is, is that everyone else is able to speak that language now. Everyone else is able to hear and understand what those effective practices are um, and translate them to their own classroom in a way that they were not able to do you know, 14 months ago. All right, William, close us out with some tips or final thought in regards to blended learning. I'll say this. I mean, we've talked a lot about technology, mm -hmm. um, but when I was thinking about this call, I was also thinking about this, um, my, my trip visiting great schools around the world yeah. and visiting these schools in Switzerland who essentially had blended learning, but without technology. And they were doing it just with how their school day was set up, where they had these like basically study hall periods um, but it was actually like your math or your language class or, or whatever it might be. So, you know, you've got five days a week and three days you're with your teacher and the other two days you go to this room and it looks like a bunch of cubicles and you sit and you just do work. It's just mm -hmm. independent work time for that whole class period. And it's like a 50 to one student teacher ratio. Um, and, and that's blended learning too, right? They, they prioritize creating the space for individual you know, work, individual responsibility, um, and being able to engage with the material independently so they can show up with class with more ideas. Um, and so I think that there are ways to do this as well um, that don't necessarily rely on technology. Um, but this idea of creating space for independent work and independent learning on one's own, using technology tools in an intentional way, um, ideally the teacher's getting good data you know, from that independent work and then showing up in class, the teacher already has a context for where students are at, what they're thinking about. And then you're able to like really dig deep. Um, we need more of that. Yeah. Like that's, that's what education needs to start looking more like. And so it'll be interesting to see the various ways that people try to accomplish that in, in different pockets of innovation around the country. Yeah. Great closing thought. Thanks for le leaving us with that. William, thank you so much for joining me on Diving Deep EDU. This was a fast paced and super helpful conversation. Thanks for all of your insights to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. If you like this episode, subscribe, share it out and leave a review. All of those things will help get this podcast out to more people. Until next time. Wow, it's time to reflect. That's astounding. You've been checking out the podcast from Matthew Downing. Hope you like diving deep like a scuba diver. And the show provoked hope. That's our true desire.